Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a very special episode of two podcasts, the Unstoppable CEO podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle podcast. And for those of you who are regular listeners of one or the other, and you're sitting there a little bit confused, um, you may not know, but uh, I actually host two podcasts, the Unstoppable CEO and the Advisor Inner Circle. And today I'm here with my buddy and friend and client, John Curry, who's my co-host on the Advisor Inner Circle podcast. And uh, we're doing a really special joint episode. Um, and this is going to be the first of, uh, I think, about eight or nine episodes we're going to do jointly, John, um, which I'm excited about. And uh, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So John Curry, uh, everybody at the Unstoppable CEO already knows you um, because you've been on, I think, more than any other guest. But uh, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO podcast and great to see you again for the Advisor Inner Circle. Thanks, Steve. Good to see you. And we are seeing each other because we're doing this where we can have it on the computer and see each other. Uh, so, folks, let me tell you what we're going to do today. And I'm not sure where we're going to go, but I have in front of me something called the Inevitable Growth Scorecard. Uh, my knucklehead buddy, all the stuff he just said is true, but he's also like a brother to me, has created this thing focusing on eight mindsets. So what we're going to do today is give you an overview of this tool. Now, I'm going to say this up front. I'm pretty good at marketing. Matter of fact, I am damn good at marketing and sales and have been doing it for 45 years. I'm looking at this, Steve, and I'm seeing stuff that I struggled with for years. I see some things where I pushed through and excelled at. I see some things where I'm kind of still needing help. That's why I'm a client. So what we're going to do today is ask Steve, I'm going to ask him, some questions about each of these mindsets and get him to explain it. But first, Steve, I want you to tell us what is the inevitable growth scorecard? How did it come about? Uh, just enlighten us on the big picture. And what we're going to do is spend about three to five minutes per mindset. And then we will then get deeper in each one of those in future episodes, as Steve said. So Steve, to you, tell us how this came about and why it came about. Well, John, as you know, uh, I've got one of those weird minds where I'm always trying to like dissect something like how do I, how do I really break down a concept so that it, it's both easy to understand and, and also easy to, to implement. Um, That's because you're lazy and don't do any work. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Everybody thinks, oh gosh, you know, you have this really great analytical mind. No, I'm fundamentally lazy. If I can figure out how to get it systematized, I don't have to do any work. Guilty. I'm saying what? <laughs> Absolutely. So you and I were having a conversation. We were uh, doing our, our quarterly trek to uh, our strategic coach workshop and uh, had about five hours together uh, of windshield time. And you know, we, in these conversations, we kind of go back and forth on sales and marketing. It's, you know, it's, it's like a five hour seminar. We get to Atlanta and I'm mentally exhausted at that point because we've covered so many things, but, um, you were actually telling me about your, uh, the list that you have in your niche market that, uh, has this really great quality to it that every quarter, uh, there are new people that come onto this list that you have access to Actually, and, every, day, every day, to be honest. Oh, you, I didn't realize you could get it every day. 
So they're constantly coming onto this list. And, you know, the, the term we used for that was a self-replenishing list, which, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's like a, a continual parade of opportunity walking in front of your business, right? Yeah. And that, that's what got me thinking about this because we've been trying to create something very similar for our own business. We've been thinking a lot about how do we create that for our clients? And the word that popped into my mind was, was inevitable. Like, how do we make getting the clients that we want to get inevitable over the course of the next quarter or the next year or forever? And, you know, how can we set up the conditions whereby the outcome is, is already predetermined and uh, all we've got to do is follow through and execute on the system that we've created that we know is going to deliver those, those outcomes. Uh, and why I think that's so important, John, is that I, I see people all the time who are kind of hopping from one kind of marketing to another, and they're dabbling in this and that, and they're, they're just struggling to try and figure out what to do. Well, if you just had one set of kind of guiding principles that you could turn into a system that made the growth that you wanted an absolute slam dunk that it was inevitable, well, wouldn't you want that? Isn't that what we're all looking for? Absolutely. And the key is that most people don't understand, as I've heard people say, well, I don't want to come across like a, a canned presentation. Um, and they say the same thing about a process, a methodology. Well, if you go see Broadway shows in New York City, and I've been going regularly since 1979, you see a Broadway show, well, quote, it's a canned pitch. Every TV show, they're reading scripts verbatim scripts, but they don't appear to be reading a script because they have internalized it where they become that character during the performance. And your best actors do that. Tom Hanks has been interviewed and they say he reads a script as much as a hundred times before he even takes a part because he wants to become that person. So it's the same thing with doing presentations, Steve, and it's the same thing with the marketing side. And also we forget that we've heard that story several times that the person we're in front of has not heard that story. So that's very important in choosing our market and staying focused on not getting bored. But let me ask you to do this. What you're saying is, is that you realize there had to be a way to process or systematize this thinking. So what I see in front of me, and I wish everybody could see it, but we'll get to that later. But the very first one you have there is who is your who? This is a good segue to that. So talk about that. What do you mean by who is your who? Well, before we do that, let's, let's actually tell everybody where they can go and get it. So you can, you can actually look at what we're, you can download the scorecard and follow along. Um, and you can go to thegrowthscore.com, thegrowthscore.com, and, and you can download the scorecard there uh, in PDF. And you can kind of follow along and you can score yourself, at, at, you know, as you get, as you go through it. So, um, so uh, yeah, we started off with, with this idea of who is your who. And, uh, you know, th this is probably the, the most challenging decision that most business owners face. And it's, you know, getting clear on who you're trying to do business with in the, in the first place. You know, most of us give all this thought to how we're going to deliver the service and to, to uh, you know, all of the, the, the steps in, in what we're going to do for somebody, but we give precious little time and energy and thought to who we really are going to serve and, and, 
and who we're trying to, to reach. And I think that's, that's kind of the first and fundamental decision. But Steve, it doesn't matter. I've got a product. It's great. It's, everybody needs it. Everybody's going to want it because it's so damn great. They just got to have it. So why do I need to worry about that? The whole population out there, everybody needs what I have. Everybody goes on Shark Tank and trying to get the sharks to invest in their thing. That's what they think. So, so tell me why I should have any worry about the who. So you're actually in a business where that's true. It is true. You know, most businesses can't, can't legitimately say that. I can't legitimately say that everybody needs what we do. But what you sell, the insurance that you sell, every adult in the United States needs what you sell. So... They don't want it necessarily, but they need it. Well, want and need are, are, are irrelevant, right? <laughs> but they, they all need it. So if, if you don't get really clear on the specific type of people that, that you want to work with in your situation, then what you're forced to do is every time you walk out in the world, you're in the grocery store, right? And you're going up and down the aisles. Well, everybody you pass is a potential prospect. Correct. You know, I, I don't know what the, what's the population of the United States right now, 300 million or in somewhere in that range. 15 million, 300 oh, something million, I think it is. Yeah, somewhere in that range. That's an overwhelming problem to try and solve, to try and figure out which of the 315 million you need, because you probably only need, you know, for most of the businesses that would be listening to this podcast and, and uh, you know, have the kind of businesses, uh, you know, where, where they're really looking at this stuff, they don't need a thousand clients. They don't need 10,000 clients. They're, they're looking for the, the right couple of dozen, maybe, you know, maybe a hundred in a year. Um, and to try and sort and sift out of the general population for that hundred is a really difficult thing to do. And so the way that you simplify that problem is you get more specific. Absolutely. And, and yeah. And so that's what that, that mindset's all about. And, and in, you know, in a, actually in the very next episode, we're going to go through, specifically all of the different, the four different mindsets um, and, and how to, you know, how to grow through them. Well, let's do this then. Let, let's not spend more time on that. Let's jump to the next one. I want to make sure we do a good job of giving everyone a good overview so that if for some reason you miss an ep- upcoming episode, you can come back and say, Ooh, I missed one. Let me go get it. So see the next one I see is the target 100 advantage. You and I have discussed this ad nauseum every time we get together and the importance of narrowing it down, but it never gets old to you and me. So to share what you're talking about here, the target 100 advantage. Yeah. So these, these first two, the who is your who and the target 100 advantage, they go together. So it's one thing, you know, in that first mindset of who is your who to define who you're going after, but in the target 100 advantage, we're actually taking that a, a step further and we're identifying them by name. Like we're finding the specific companies or the specific people that we want to do business with. And for, for most businesses who are, you know, who have clients rather than customers who have high value things that they're selling, a working list of a hundred potential clients is usually a really good size list. It's not so big that you can't work through it. And it's not so small that there's not enough opportunity there. Now, it's not 100 forever, you know, as you close them or disqualify them, you're adding new people to that list. But if you have a working list of 100, now you're, you're in a really, really powerful position. And so this is one of the traps, John, that I see folks get into with internet marketing. Like internet marketing is, 
it's the coolest thing ever. And I'll be honest with you. I fell into this trap early in my career as things moved to the internet. Yeah. And I remember chastising you. I'm going to take credit for this saying, Steve, you better get back to the basics because you're, you're getting, uh, you're getting into this thing of the internet and it's going to hurt you. Yeah, you did. And, and you know, it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with the internet. It's just, it's much more complex to try and deal with. So you're, you're going out to, it's the same, same problem as walking through the grocery store and, and everybody's a prospect, right? You know, you're, you're out on Facebook and everybody's a prospect. And yes, there are ways you can, you know, you can kind of limit that to, to a degree, but boy, it's so much simpler if you just have a list of a hundred, yes. you know, and, uh, and, and you know who you're going after. And I have seen that totally revolutionize the way that an entrepreneur approaches their business development, because once they've got that list and it, you know, it might be 80, it might be 50, it might be a hundred or 200, you know, the exact number isn't as important. The, the key is that you've got a, a reasonably sized list that you can begin working. Absolutely. And when we get into that episode, I want us to also talk about maybe two lists of 100, your target list of who you want to go after to get as a client. But don't forget the ones you've already got, because in my business, every business actually that I know of, especially mine, and I'm guilty of it, we're so busy trying to get new clients that we forget to take care of our existing clients. Well, I'll, get, I'll give you a little preview into that episode. I actually break it into three groups of, okay. of 100. Okay. I, have a, a, I have the existing clients, which is however many that is, the 100 prospects that you're going after, and then the hundred partners and relationships and influencers that you want to be in touch with and develop a relationship long-term because maybe they're a center of influence or a referral source or, you know, someone in, in that part of your, your network that you want to maintain a relationship with. And I think all three are important. Very good. Very good. Now I'm going to push you a little bit on time. Okay. So if I cut you off, don't, don't think I'm rude, but I'm going to do it to you. Okay. Could you do it to me occasionally? Let's do it. Okay. Sorry, so the third one I see here is clear value. Okay, well, obviously my value is clear because I'm so great at what I do, Mr. Client. You should just buy everything I should tell you to buy. You're you know, like, I, I, I you can see his face, folks. He's like, <laughs> agree with him. So, so what the heck does clear value mean? Well, so it's always clear to you. I, I actually I used to say it's always clear to you. I, I, I now uh, <laughs> I've been corrected by some some business owners who weren't clear at all about what their value was. Uh, it even to themselves and hang on just this morning we're talking about you if you don't know your numbers you don't know your business if you're not clear on the value you bring to the table the truth is you're not bringing value you think you are so is that where you're headed with this well yeah that's that's a large part of it i mean if you can't communicate the value that that you bring you aren't bringing value you can't bring value I want to make a disclosure. I have to confess, folks, I, I'm honestly telling you something here. I'm looking at this scorecard for the first time today. Okay. Steve just emailed to me uh, today. So I am looking at this with fresh eyes and learning just like you are. There are some things here that I know that I'm already applying, but I'm also intrigued by some of what I'm seeing here. So I can't wait to get dig deeper. But back to you, Steve, about the clear value. Yeah, well, the the thing that we see a lot is that that uh, and and the the place that it shows up now for people more than anywhere is on their website, uh, but it 
the website's just sort of the canary in the coal mine. When you go to somebody's website and if you can't understand what they do and it's not clear, then chances are they're not clear in their own mind about what they do and the value that they bring. And, um, and, and these first three are really foundational. So if you get clear about who you're serving and you get a list of those people, and then you're able to put together in clear terminology, clear language, the value that you offer to someone so that they, the, those people that you put on that list can understand it, man, you, you've solved like 80% of the marketing problem. I agree totally. I want to read this to everybody. The value you offer aligns with what your ideal clients really want, and you have a clear, compelling marketing message that communicates your value. Those one, two, three, four, four lines, five lines, have so much power in them, Steve, that most people in business, but especially in the financial side of the world where I live and have been for 45 years now, it's like becoming a chasing the, the newest flavor of the month or shiny object. But if you can get clear on what you, who you want to work with, why you want to work with them, you don't talk about the why, the who is good, but you got to have the why, what's the connection. We'll talk about that maybe when we get into this uh, further episodes. But for me, it's become who, the why, I chose them as the who, what is the value I bring to them, and what it does, it energizes me when I'm in front of them. It's like, it's like I'm Superman and I get more energy every time I go. I could do it 24 hours a day and not get tired. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let me, uh, your, let me illustrate this with, with your own example. Um, for those that don't know you, John, John's in financial services. Um, you know, he primarily sells a combination of life insurance and annuities and investments. And, um, those things are all great products, but I would venture to say that nobody wants to buy life insurance. Nobody wants to even talk about it because you got to talk about dying and you right. got to talk about a product. And I, I, we could go into this, but I mean, the joke is that you're selling a product that, that, uh, people pay for in their lifetime, but never get to use, you know? And so it's, if you sold it from that perspective, it wouldn't work. Right. But instead you've created a clear value message by positioning everything around preparing for a secure retirement, not a risky retirement. Right. Okay. And so, and, and there's obviously more depth to it than that, but just to give everybody a little bit of an idea, it's about going beyond just what you do and connecting it really to the result that, that people want. And getting inside their head, you know, you, you and I have studied a lot with one of our mentors, Dan Kennedy, and we learned about Robert Collier, join the conversation that's already in the client's head. I shared just yesterday with some friends, think of hopping on a merry-go-round. Would you just run jump on it? No, you'd walk along, increase the pace, and just step on it, right? Don't have to be on a merry-go-round, but every time I go where there's one, I hop on it just for the hell of it, go to tell the story, especially at Disney. <clears throat> so we want to find out what's happening inside their heads and until we do that, we don't really know what the clear value is, in my opinion. But but let's go to the next one, because because I know we're going to dig deep. And I'm looking forward to these, by the way. Uh, juice is already flowing. I got some ideas I'm going to share on it. Ideas that sell. Now we have talked about that before in some of our podcasts. So talk about that from the standpoint. 
uh, ideas that sell versus products that sell, gadgets that sell. So expand on that one. Well, gadgets sell or, or frankly, just good old fashioned hard labor that sells, sure. right? Because there's, you know, there, that, that's a way a lot of people sell is let's just, how many people can I call today? Well, but the master of that, though, was Steve Jobs. Think about that. He got an idea. Think about it. The phones that we use today, an iPhone, what is it? It's a combination of what? A telephone, a camera, a recorder, all the stuff that already been invented by somebody else. He took all that and put it in one box. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, it was just a combination of a bunch of ideas. And those are the ideas. Now, the, the products already existed. The things already existed out there. He simply said, whoa. What if we just took all these things? I don't even remember. I used to carry a camera everywhere I went. We talked about that many times. I don't carry yeah. a camera anymore. I don't need to. I got my my iPhone mm -hmm. and my iPad. Well, John, the first time I was ever introduced to this concept of ideas doing the selling was uh, really right when my career started. I I hadn't even been out of college for a year, and the the firm that I, I went to work for, which I ultimately bought, um, you know, we were going after a, for us, what was a huge contract. Uh, it was a, a little over half a million dollars, which would have been the biggest contract that the firm ever landed at that point. And, um, and, and the way that we ended up landing that was from a presentation that I did with the founder of the company. Uh, we put it together. We, we were invited to a conference to go speak in the room where, uh, you know, was, was the, the person who was ultimately going to really influence this particular contract. And we knew he was going to be there. Um, and, uh, you know, and we put that presentation together with some new thinking about how to approach his particular problem. And it was a problem that many people in that room had, but he, he just happened to be kind of on the leading edge as, um, as a number of these projects started happening all, all throughout Florida. And, um, and we ended up winning that contract. Um, we beat a bunch of big national firms. We had no business winning that contract, John. Um, and I remember walking out of there just like when we found out that we'd won it, I thought, man, I am unbeatable. I'm like a 24 year old kid fresh out of college, not knowing anything and I'm unbeatable. And, um, and then we started using that model to go after similar contracts all over the state with government agencies. Uh, and there was a time when we would do presentations um, at conferences, then get invited to, to participate in a, a contract. And I'd do a similar presentation to the contracting folks, John, sharing these ideas, this different way of thinking. And we went for a three year period where we never lost when we went into one of those situations, beating bigger firms every time. Right. That, and, and, and so the way that we did that is we had different ideas. We had different approaches and different ways of thinking. And I've never come across uh, anybody in, in any kind of professional service business that didn't have uh, a, a really opinionated idea about how they do it. I know you have that, you have your philosophy, which you've kind of called into the secure retirement method. Um, and you, you use that and teach it and that's your idea and it sells for you. And that's what we're talking about with ideas itself. And, and I will tell you, I had a client yesterday, excuse me, potential client. We agreed not to work together. 
And he said, you're not upset. I said, no, you're not ready. When you're ready, come on back. You will be ready in the future. Unless you give up, you know, we'll keep in touch. If you don't want us to ever talk to you again, we won't. But when you're ready, we'll help you. But what you're asking me to do is totally, totally different than what I think you need. I could make a sale, make a commission. would love to have the money. I don't need the money. I like to have it, but it would be a product that you're asking for that's going to hurt you. So we agreed not to work together. And then darn, he's walking out the door and he turns back around and says, so let me ask you a question. Can we have a few more minutes? I said, sure. Sit down. He said, if we made the changes that you're proposing and did it the way you're suggesting, can you show me what would happen? I said, sure. That takes seven minutes. Showed him. He goes, can I come back in for another session and understand that better? Because I, I really want to work with you, but I really, I have so much pride and ego at stake in my own idea that I'm having difficulty with it. And I, and I, I here's what I said. I said, well, first of all, I'm proud of you for even saying that you have pride and ego in the way. I've never had a client say that before. 45 years. It's the first time I've heard that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm impressed that you admitted that, but absolutely you can come back. I said, I'm not giving up on you. You're the one who was giving up. You were the one who were telling me that my approach didn't fit you because I was too conservative. On this portion of your money, I refuse to have a risky retirement. It will be a secure retirement. Now, if you want to be risky, you can have me do it for you. Tell me what to put it in and I'll do it. And I'll be happy to take the commission. But you're going to sign a disclosure saying that you designed the plan, not John Curry. He said, when can I come back in? So he's coming in Monday at two. <laughs> What's going to happen? Well, I don't know. But it goes back to what you said. Ideas of sale. Different and sticking to the format of secure retirement, not a risky retirement. That's my moniker. That's my passion. I am not going to change that for anybody or anything. Well, I know you're going to cut me off in a second, but let, let me just put this bow on that. And and the beauty of, of what you just illustrated there is that the the idea is something that that client could buy into and he hadn't bought into it yet, which told you you're not going to make the bigger sale. Correct. And he may not buy into my idea. No. And that's okay. Monday at two o'clock. But it's, it's a great proxy for whether or not somebody's going to become a client. So if they buy into your idea, they, they really get pre-sold. If they don't, you know, pretty quickly that they're likely not qualified. So that, that's, that's the deal behind ideas that sell. And we'll, we'll dive into it deeper in a future episode. And by the way, I want to talk about this real fast. I talked with a friend today at lunch who's also an advisor. And he was a little frustrated about someone who didn't take his advice. And I said, wait a minute, let me help you with something. And I use our friend uh, Dan Sullivan's uh, comment about there are over 7 billion people on the planet. They all need us, but they don't all want us. So our desire should be to serve the ones who want us and not worry about the ones who do not want us. I'd like to help everybody. I'd like to save the whole world, but I don't have that capacity, nor am I going to attempt to. So if we get real clear on the things you've said so far, and I'm going to go back and, and highlight them if you don't mind, who is your who? Identify the target 100 that you really want to work with. Get clear on the value you bring to the table. And then what are the ideas that you sell that are better and different, unusual, show up differently than anyone else in your field? So with those four, let's jump to number five here. We're halfway through this. 
collaboration advantage. Why do I want to collaborate? Man, I want to just kill my competitors and get rid of all of them. I mean, tell me why I should collaborate with anybody, Steve Gordon. It's just easier. It's it just easy. flat easier. I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm working three cases this week alone with uh, uh, other advisors in my own firm. Well, let's let's talk work. about let's talk about what that collaboration looks like. So, you know, I've written a book on referrals, right? And everybody likes to talk about referrals. Well, um, you know, the the way that most people approach referrals, it's it, it's pretty much a one way street. So I used to do all kinds of networking here in our local community, as you know. That's how we met. And, uh, you know, and I'd go and I'd have these coffee dates with people and we'd have these wonderful conversations and we'd seem to, you know, get along swimmingly and both agree that we were going to have a mutually beneficial relationship. And for those of you who can't see us, um, I'm doing air quotes around that. Um, and then, you know, I, I was calling BS on it. Pretty yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I'd go and I'd, I'd try and, you know, find them someone I could connect them with that I knew that might be helpful for them. And then I, you know, they would tend to disappear into the witness protection program. And I got frustrated after a while. I said, you know, that to me, that's, that, that's somebody who wants a referral who's just taking it. I don't want that. I want, when I'm looking at, at, at working with someone like that, where we're going to, I don't even, I'm almost to the point where I don't even want to use the word referral. And I've, I've written a book with that in the title, right? But really it's about how can we collaborate and promote what, if we believe in each other, how can we promote what each person is doing? Okay. And so a great example of this, John, is yesterday, um, or excuse me, two days ago, I had a conversation with, um, with someone who's going to be a great collaboration partner. And they were a guest on our podcast. And that's one of the ways that we create, you know, that we initiate those relationships. They was were a guest Ted, on our podcast. Was that Ted by any chance? We don't go to live. No, this one hadn't gone live yet. Okay. Uh, and then I got invited to be on their podcast, um, which uh, was, was great. So we'd already collaborated at that level. And that's one of the things I love about podcasts is it gives you a way to sort of test these relationships out and see what the other person's going to do. And then I, you know, I, I said, Hey, let's, let's see if we can't brainstorm some other ways that we could help each other. So we scheduled a call and we, we got talking and, you know, they had some ideas and then it just struck me like there's, you know, because I've strategically selected them, you know, when, when we invited them to be a guest, this company to be a guest on our podcast, the owner of it to be a guest, I didn't just do that willy nilly. It was very strategic. They were somebody that I thought we could really collaborate with because what they do is complementary to what we do. And so in this brainstorming call, we came up with this really great joint webinar. So instead of, you know, them hosting a webinar for, for me and me hosting a webinar for them, we said, what if we did something better and bigger than that, where we host like a two hour online workshop where, I'll talk about my piece. You talk about your piece because they fit so well together. Everybody that attends is going to get 10 times more value by us combining it. And we're going to both get more value from it because we're going to be able to invite all of your list, all of our list. I think I can go out and get other people who will help share it because it'll just be a cool thing. Um, that's what I'm talking about. You know, when I, when I talk about collaboration, it's at the very highest level of this and, and you can kind of score yourself in the scorecard. That's the, that's one of the things I love about these scorecards is 
you can read the descriptions in each column and sort of assess where you think you are. But then you can also see like, where, where do I want to be in, you know, 90 days or six months or a year and, and start to work towards it um, and, and do that in a, a measurable way. Um, Cause I didn't start off being able to do things like that. You know, it, it, I started off doing those stupid coffee meetings where we had these fake mutually beneficial relationships, you know? Well, they weren't stupid because you were doing what you had as far as knowledge at the time. Right. And you were doing something far better to be doing that than sitting at home doing nothing. Absolutely. Well, I think that's how you grow into some of these other things. Sometimes you need some experience along the way. But my colleague, April, April Schoen, I was sharing with her today, we have to find ways to let you leapfrog the normal process. Why do you want to take five years to do something you can do in five days? You get it done. And quit, quit fiddling around waiting because you haven't earned it yet because someone hasn't dubbed the, the expert. Well, go out and do it yourself. Well, and, and John, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to put this scorecard together. And there's going to be a book, as you know, um, that I've already started writing that that's going to explain all of these in great detail and give you kind of the blueprint for it. But I wanted to get the scorecard out there right away um, because even this, I think, will help people see the roadmap. I mean, it's uh, you and I have been studying marketing together for a decade now. It's taken me more than that because I started even before that. It's taken me more than that to really figure these things out and understand them, be able to articulate them. And so this, for a lot of people, uh, what my hope is that they'll get the scorecard. They'll kind of identify where they are now, but they won't have to go through the whole discovery process that I had to go through to find the higher rungs on the ladder. They can just jump right to it. Absolutely. They can take the elevator. Hey, look, dude, I, I've got you beaten. I've been doing it four and a half decades. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I forgot you're old. Yeah, I'm an old guy, but I'll tell you what, uh, I'm good. Yeah, for, for, for folks listening on the Unstoppable CEO podcast, it's it's not a, an official episode of the Advisor Inner Circle unless I tell John he's old. That's right. He gives me hell all the time. All yeah. right. So it's what, what's Dan next on the list? It's a Rodney Dangerfield. No respect. No respect. <laughs> all right. Next is infinite opportunity. All right. So talk about that. All right. Infinite opportunity. Um, at, at times in, in, in my career, I have had this cloud kind of come over me where you, you feel like nothing's working and um, and you're just, you're having a hard time getting anybody to respond to what you're doing. And you feel like there isn't much opportunity out there. And, um, and then I've had times when the ap absolute opposite is true. And what that tells me is that there is unlimited opportunity out there. And, and it's one thing to say, you know, oh, sit in the room and cross your legs and, you know, manifest abundance and all this other nonsense. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. First of all, I do think it's a mindset. You got to think that, hey, there is infinite opportunity, but we've talked about the numbers um, already. There's, you know, 315 or so million people in the United States and 7.5 billion on the planet. Um, and if you're in the kind of business where over the course of the next year, having even a thousand clients, and I can't imagine there's anybody listening to this that's looking for that many. Most of them are going to be looking for the, the very valuable few dozen. And if that's all you're looking for, then there, there's no end. I don't care what industry or what niche you're in. 
You know, I, I, I've said before, going back to, you know, who is your who, everybody gets caught on, on uh, trying to narrow down. I've yet to find in 10 years, I've yet to find anyone come to me and define a niche too narrowly. There's always way more opportunity than they could ever capture. And, um, and again, John, I'm going to use your example. And, uh, you know, you, you could work with literally every adult human in the United States, or at least in the States where you're licensed. Um, but even if we narrowed that down geographically, just to our city, Tallahassee, Florida, which is a relatively small city, what do we got about 200,000 people here? Uh, yeah. And then you've narrowed it further to just people that are members of the Florida retirement system who are, you know, state employees. But then you narrowed it even more to say, I, I only really, my, my core is professors at Florida State University. Like, that's not a lot of people in the grand scheme of things compared to the 315 million in the country. I don't know how many faculty members there are, but not a lot of people. So, um, and even that, I mean, you're leading the nation in annuity sales in two companies right now, two different companies. Really? Well, one, one, one provider, but within two entities. Yes. Okay. So, you know, but nonetheless, you're the number one guy in the country and you've got the teeny tiniest little narrow niche that probably any advisor has defined in the country. Okay. And so even within that, you haven't done business with everybody. Nor do I want to. Nor do you want to, right? So for all intents and purposes, since you're not going to do business with everybody in that group and it's more than you can handle anyway, you have infinite opportunity. You're not going to run out. Correct. Okay. Very good. Um, and, and we talked before about your self-replenishing list. There's always a few more people coming in to that group every day. Let's right. Talk, let's talk about that for just a moment. And I know we'll get into it when we get into that as an individual episode. But I think one of the biggest problems we have with anyone in business or sales, and there's a difference. Some people are in sales and they're just a salesperson. They're not creating a business. I chose early on to make it a business, not just being a salesman. So I have a staff, I have a team around me, five other people. But if we're not careful, no matter what our business is, we have the scarcity mindset. Our nation has a scarcity mindset versus abundance. We, we're taught that way. Oh my God, I might run out of money versus abundance. So we have to focus on that and understand that there is more money floating around out there. There's enough money. There is no scarcity. It's there. You just have to go claim your portion. And they print more every day in Washington. Oh, yeah, and they're going to continue printing it because of all the nonsense that's going to be happening in the future. But we can talk about that another time. But anyway, so let's jump into the next thing because like we got two more we got to cover. Relentless lead generation. I, uh, I don't think I need that, Steve, because I've got a pretty good business right now. We're making good money. Uh, if I'm a financial advisor, the market's been doing so great. My accounts have gone up in value. They may drop in the future, but, but yeah, I, I'm good. I'm comfortable. I'm happy. Why in the world would I worry about lead generation, much less relentless lead generation? I mean, I personally would never want to go out and get new clients. I, mean, I just want to keep what I got. Folks, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this guy. 
because uh, he's not telling you the truth at all. Um, in fact, before we started recording, we, we went through all of his plans to go attract new clients. Um, for, and, for the next uh, 20 years, by the way. Well, for the next 20 years. And do you mind if I share your age? I don't mind at all. Go ahead. So you're 66 years old? 67. 67. I'm sorry. 67. That's right. You just had a birthday. You're 67. Um, and you got a 20 year plan for growing your business. Um, that involves a whole lot of relentless lead generation. Um, obviously without continual relentless lead generation, um, your business dies, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, you, that's something that has to continue. And, um, and for most businesses, it's a, it's very much a start and stop thing. And, um, you know, and I chose that word relentless for a reason because I think it, it infers an attitude <laughs> about generating new leads. Um, you know, I thought about as I was drafting this, the first word I thought of was like continual, but that's not the right word because it needs that attitude. You've got to have that attitude that I'm, I'm going to be relentless about this. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to do every marketing tactic under the sun. It means you've got to go and create that target 100. And then you've got to think about, okay, how am I going to be in it for the long haul with them? And how am I going to show up until that, you know, those hundred, you know, all of them either become a client or tell me no. And that's the relentless part of it is creating something that's systematic for you so that you keep showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. And the, the, for me, the, the simplicity that comes with that target 100 idea is that makes relentless lead generation and this next one, relentless follow-up, it makes it viable. Well, on the two of these, let me share something that just happened. Just This happened yesterday. Uh, third meeting with a couple that brought their son in. Uh, the reason they came to me and insisted on paying the fee, a $3,000 fee, planning fee, they said, we have been getting your information for four years. Four years. I mean, they bring in a big folder. How many times have I told you this story? These stories, they come in with a big file folder, emails, postcards, invitations to seminars, all kinds of stuff. Well, now she's getting ready to retire in November of this year. And they've met with three other advisors, but they said, you know, you're the only one. You're the only one who has consistently sent us information, even though we were not a client. So will you take us as a client? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's talk about your circumstances. Let's see if we're fit. If we are, you know, charge a fee. And then in your case, it's going to be a $3,000 fee. If we're going to work together, it didn't bad enough. This was like uh, two months ago. So yesterday we did a substantial amount of business. We'll be doing even more as, as time goes by. Ultimately, it's going to be over a million dollars of investments that we'll do, combination of annuities and investments. But that emphasizes the relentless lead generation because we got them as a lead. And then the relentless follow-up, we kept sending something, even though they didn't come in for an appointment, never came to a seminar. They finally, they said, I, I give up. Met with other people. The timing was perfect. They got something in the mail. Called us. Can I come in? Yes, you may. So you just said something really important. You said the timing was perfect. Correct. Not my timing. Their timing. Well, exactly. And none of us control the timing of of our prospects, of our future clients. 
they control the timing. And, uh, and, and there isn't anything you can do about that, no matter what anyone tells you. And the game then is to be there when the timing is right. And so the fact that you were there when the timing is perfect isn't luck. It's part of your system. Absolutely. And, and here's the deal. When they called in and scheduled the appointment with Jay, I said, who is that? I don't know that name. He said, I don't know either. All I know is they've been, they said they've been getting your stuff all this time. So we went into the software package we used, looked at it, and said, oh, they've been getting all this stuff for four years. I didn't know that. I'd never met them. But I'm glad that they came in because very profitable situation. Yeah, so we've knocked out two there. So you, you generated the lead through all the lead generation that you do. And then once you generated the lead, you had them in your system, you followed up with them until they were ready. And so are you giving me credit for actually getting into the very last one here? Yeah, you're, you're, because we've probably gone long already. So very often. So thank you, my friend. (laughs) But seriously, wrap us up on talking about relentless follow up. Then let's go back and, and summarize all eight of these and then share with everyone what we're going to be doing going forward. Well, I, Relentless follow-up is, um, frankly, how I feed my family, John. Uh, <laughs> so I, I started this business in 2010, and I started off doing, I think, a bi-weekly newsletter, and that lasted for maybe a year, year and a half. And then I started doing a daily email newsletter. Uh, did that for four years or so, wrote over a 1,000 emails. Um, and uh, then... Um, then we started doing podcasting and, and sending stuff out weekly. Uh, you know, now we do stuff multiple times a week in, in many weeks. Um, and I've done that for a decade. I, I, I think I get the, uh, relentless follow-up scout badge. Um, and I will tell you, um, you know, we are, our two most recent clients, were people that have been on my email list who have been hearing from me for over five years. Mm -hmm. And um, had I not been doing that, I can assure you that we would not have been doing business with them. Time out there. Think about what you just said. Five years. It goes back to people do things when they're ready, not when you're ready. And the key is most of us are so damned impatient that if we don't get the business right now, well, they're stupid. They don't get it. Move on. That's wrong. But you will not invest the time, the energy, nor the money in keeping in touch if you don't know that they are a fit. So what he said from the very beginning, I'm going all back number one, who is your who? If you are identifying and you're spending your time, your energy, and all of your resources on marketing to the people that you know are your who, it makes it easy to remain relentless and consistent and persistent. If you're chasing anybody and everybody at the grocery store, you're going to burn yourself out, spend all of your money, burn out your energy and your team's energy, and you're going to be frustrated. But if you focus in on who you really want to work with and you're clear on why you want to work with them, you will spend the time and the energy because you know it will pay off eventually. It will pay off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've been pounding the, the follow-up 
um, drum for, um, for all 10 years that, you know, I've been working with folks on marketing, John. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it's a difficult problem to solve. Um, I've spent 10 years trying to figure out how do you get people to do it because it's a lot of work. And the, the thing that keeps people from doing it, really there are a couple of things. One is they don't want to be a pest. They feel like if they follow up too frequently that they'll annoy people. And I think, you know, me being able to do four years of daily email follow-up every weekday kind of proves that, you know, you, you can't really piss them off. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, so frequency isn't the issue. And the other thing is people, people come to it. They don't know what to say. And then I think the third is that it's just a lot of work. Well, I'm going to disagree a little bit. You and I have never disagreed, right? Never. <laughs> uh, folks, we fight like uh, brothers sometimes. Uh, here's where I disagree. It's not that difficult. If all you did is send a postcard out once a month and simply said, hey, Steve, John Curry, I'm thinking about you. Are you ready to talk? If that's all you sent to your 100 or your 1,000, and you know what? If all you did, you sent it out, hey, it doesn't have the name. I'm thinking about you. I'm still here. Let me know when you're ready to talk. If you send out a little simple postcard, what's the size of a postcard? I don't know, four by six, whatever it is, cost you 20 cents to mail them. Give me a break. That's not hard. And you can find a mailing service where you hand them your list and they mail them for you. You don't have to lick any sense. So if you did that at least once a month, that's at least 12 contacts. Forget about all the modern technology. If you just mail out a little simple postcard, hey, I'm still here. Maybe even have a little guy waving at him. Yeah, I'm still here. You know, can I help you? Let me know when you're ready. That's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and we're we're gonna get into as we go some of the things that you're doing, some of the things that that we're doing, some of the things are you know we're doing with our clients as we go through each of these. And so we're gonna do an episode on each of these. But uh, one of the reasons, John, that we're so big on podcasts is that it as we get into the second half. So there's there's eight uh, different mindsets. The first four are really foundational. They sort of tee you up for being successful. And then the, the last four are the ones where you really are, are starting to generate the activity. And with those last four, the podcast in, um, in most cases, if it's done well, is, is the thing that kind of covers all of those bases for you if you're smart about it. Well, let me talk about the podcast, because I had a situation just recently where a friend of mine asked me specifically, he said, can you identify that you're getting direct business from your podcast? I said, absolutely not. And he goes, why? Then why do you do them? I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you have in a week, typical week, four to five people come in and say, man, the podcast you did with so-and-so was so awesome. I love that story. Do you see any value in that? And at first he says, not really, because they're already a client. I said, wait a minute, hang on. So three or four times a week, someone who's already a client or who's about to become a client heard someone else bragging about the life they have now because of their relationship with me or sharing stories where they don't even mention the relationship with me. But by the power of association, it's clear that I had some impact. You're telling me you don't see value because, oh, my God, I get it. So, folks, it's not a matter of did you make money directly from the podcast. It's the fact that you have a podcast 
and you and I have had this conversation about a couple of leading people in our community who said, you have a podcast? I do. I didn't know that. Would you like to be on the podcast? Please. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you know, it's a, there's more than just, you don't do it just to get business now. You get it to make the person in front of you. To, I, I call, I'm going to give you a platform to share these beautiful ideas you shared with me with anyone who chooses to listen. Would you like to share the platform with me? Yeah, well, and and I'll tell you that since since, since you started down this path, let me put a, a, a little bit of a bow around. We actually and we've already gone way over time, so we've got to wrap up in about a minute or two. Yeah, so, so there there are really three things that that we see the podcast three roles that it serves. One, it it can serve the role of a prospecting tool for really high level prospects, where you there's somebody that you want to reach that's really difficult to reach. Now, the people you just mentioned that were leaders in the community that aren't clients of yours, but I know would be really great trophy clients of yours, uh, that's a way to reach them, right? And they jumped at the chance. Um, so that's one yeah, way of using it. I will get them eventually. I know you will. I know you will. So then the second way of using it, we've already kind of talked about, which is the collaboration angle with it, where you invite people on that are strategic relationships where you've create then a way because you've started the relationship really strongly through the podcast. And um, it's funny, I was doing an interview on somebody else's podcast this morning, John. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and this guy who has a podcast says, yeah, like the number one thing that, that I didn't expect out of it was the quality of the relationships that I'm able to create by doing these interviews. Like I, these people know me now, they, they are responsive when I reach out to them, they're open to doing things. Um, and so by creating those collaborative relationships, you can generate leads. We've, you know, in just the first quarter of last year, we generated 2,600 leads off of webinars that were hosted by people who were on our podcast and hosted for us. So there, there's that aspect of it. And then the third is what you're really talking about there with your clients where you're interviewing them about the, the result that they got, which is this amazing life in your case, you know, this amazing life that they're living in retirement, all because they bought into your ideas. They came in and, and went through your process and now they're enjoying the, the, the results of all of that. So uh, th those are all great uses of it. So anyway, we're going to get way more into all of the details of each of these, and we'll start tying it to specific things that you can do. So, um, so stay tuned for that. But John, thanks for kind of taking us through a, a guided overview of, of the inevitable growth scorecard. Um, folks, if you want to get it, um, you can go to thegrowthscore.com and you can download the scorecard and um, go through and score yourself and then email it to me. Um, you know, send it to me at steve at unstoppableceo.net and uh, let me know what uh, conclusions you've gained from it. Uh, you, you, you said that real fast. Say it, repeat that again so people can get it. Sorry, I tend to talk fast. So go to thegrowthscore.com and go through the, the scorecard. Score yourself. You're going to get a, a score on each of these mindsets between 1 and 12 and uh, a total score of, of as many as 96 points. Score yourself and see what it tells you and see where you think you need to grow going forward. And then send me an email. My email is steve at unstoppableceo.net. I'd love to know how you're doing. Um, I'll share that with John and, and uh, we'll include uh, your feedback as we go through and do the rest of these episodes. 
All right, my friend, great to see you, and uh, I will see you in the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and folks, I hope you enjoyed our episode today.